Well, good morning, church. This weekend, boy, there's a lot going on. You know, we celebrate Memorial Day weekend, and uh, and again, we do want to give thanks to all who have served and sacrificed. Uh, now, Matt was up here, and he's like, oh, I went long-winded and all that, and I told him, I said, no, you were right-winded. <laughs> what you said was spot on. Thank you so much. Um, we want to make sure we take time uh, to give God all the glory and honor, and we also want to take time to say thank you to people who need to be thanked on a weekend like this weekend. So to, for those of you that are, are celebrating Memorial Day weekend, just remember why we, uh, why we have the freedoms that we have. And then at the same time, on a Sunday, we get to celebrate the freedoms that God has given us spiritually because of His Son and the sacrifice He made. We also want to remind you of a great event that's coming up. Maybe in your bulletins you saw these, the little picnic at the park. Um, we want to make sure you're all aware of what's going on next Sunday night. We want you there. Last year um, we had, I think, hot dogs and chips, and it was a lot of fun. And this year the Axe 2 crew stepped it up. We're going barbecue sandwiches. And, uh, yeah, so it's, hey, why not? We're in, um, we're in graduate mode. You know, you're going to go around to a lot of the open houses and get that. Why not a little bit more? So um, it's a great time. There's going to be all kinds of yard games out there. There will be a co-ed softball game. A lot of you brought, you make sure you bring your chairs. A lot of you brought your chairs and you positioned yourself around home plate and you heckled those who played. We invite you back to go ahead, come back and heckle us again. Um, and for those of you that are playing co-ed softball, and uh, it, it's, listen, it's not like Friday night co-ed softball. It's a little bit more toned down. It's a lot of fun. So please come and uh, make sure you stretch out. Okay. We don't want anybody pulled muscles. We won't mention the track coach that pulled a muscle last year. Um, it is a lot of fun. And the whole purpose of this is we want you to see each other connect uh, create some new relationships with the people in this church, and, and it's, it's a fun time. There's no cost to it. Just please bring a chair and show up with an appetite. Uh, so like I said, there's a lot going on today. Today is graduation Sunday, and uh, we're going to take time to honor our graduates. And for those of you who are graduating, you are entering a new stage in life. You're embarking on a new journey. For some of you, it may mean more school. For some of you, it might be a trade school. Some of you might be just going right into the workforce or the military. You have been educated. You've been equipped. Now you're ready to go out on the next part of your journey. The question is, though, are you ready? If you ask the parents, some of them are like, I'm not sure. Some of them are, yes, we're ready. Um, but we're all over the place. I know last year, uh, our three sons graduated last year, one from graduate school, one from college, and one from high school. It was a busy May. But in the back of my mind, while all that was going on, was, was this question. Have I done everything that I've needed to do as a father to make sure they're ready? Have, have I shared every lesson in life that I was supposed to share with them? Have they, I got a checklist of all these things. Did they learn what it means to be a man of integrity, to work hard, to, to be faithful to God? Did, did, did they learn those? Did I tell them that? So I had all these things. And so this morning, um, I, you know, reflecting over the last couple of weeks and actually longer, it's like this morning's sermon, I wanted it to be a time of, I wanted to, share not just with graduates, but the whole church. But I want you to be prepared. I want you to know what you need to know before you go out there in this, the next stage of your life. But then the list was so long, and so it's like, maybe the top five or something like that. Um, we'll see where we get with this. But I want you to know, again, what are the most important things? What advice can we give you? And again, there's so much. So here's, here's the first thing I'm, I'm going to say to you. First thing is this. Graduates, check your diploma. 
Okay? Do me a favor. Check your diploma. Now, not to make sure it's signed. We're going to get to that one later, okay? But first, what I mean by check your diploma is, where did you get your education from? By, by whose authority were you taught under? What, what kind of education did you receive? And, and when I think about this, there is a, there's a true authority in your life. It's either you, you call the shots. It's, it's God. It's family members. It's a governing authority. It could be culture. Somebody in your life is calling the shots and you're just listening saying, okay, yes, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. I'll do that. What authority have you been raised under? Because your belief in authority will determine your view on life. I want you to think about this. If the Bible has authority in your life, it will shape the direction you go. It will help you deal with the issues you face on everyday life. There are so many things out there. People have so many opinions. Well, I'm not sure where I stand on this. I'm not sure where I stand on that. But if the Bible is your authority, it will tell you where to stand. It will help you in knowing where to stand. When it comes to maybe uh, gender, when it comes to creation, when it comes to kindness, when it comes to abortion, when it comes to moral issues, if you do not have the Bible as your authoritative standing, you will be all over the place. You'll be in conflict with about every other person because everybody's got an opinion. But where has your opinion been solidified by what authority? Our church believes that the Bible is inerrant and it is inerrant and it is authoritative. In other words, there are no errors in the Bible. It is our authority for where we make our decisions and how we live our life. The Bible reveals to us that, that God is, is supreme in nature, his attributes. He's, he's almighty, he is holy, he is creator. He is loving and he is a just God. And sometimes we try to figure that one out and it's hard because how can a just God and be loving and powerful? And sometimes those things, those things seem to collide. Not really. But the world will tell you they do. The Bible reveals the character and the attributes of the one who governs all things. He designed this world. He created it. He put it into act, everything into, into motion and it's with its natural laws. And it's sort of like, so here's our authority. That's what we, what we believe as Christians. If you look in Scripture, there's a couple verses. Psalm 97.9 is one of my favorites. It says this, For you, O Lord, you are supreme over all the earth. You, exalted, you are exalted far above all gods. There's no close second place. There's one God. Supreme authority. I love this in Joshua chapter 2, verse 11, because this comes from somebody who is not part of the family of God. They did not come from a Jewish descent. They were not part of the family of Isaac and Abraham and, and so forth. They said this, For the Lord your God is the supreme God of heaven above and the earth below. This is somebody who didn't believe in God, but they recognized that God was supreme. That's what we believe, that God is supreme. He is the only God. And this incredible supreme God takes his authority and he puts it into words for us. And he has all these men and these authors that have scripted out and, and given us the very words of God. Whenever you pick up the Bible, you're picking up the words of God. Just think about that for a second. Proverbs chapter 1 tells us this. Their purpose, this is referring to God's word, is to teach people wisdom and discipline. To help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right and just and fair. You want to do the right thing? You want to do the just thing? You want to do what's fair? Pick up God's word. It will help you. When people say, that's so unfair. That's, that's, that's not right. 
Well, what is right? What is just? What is fair? We find it in God's authoritative word. In God's word, we find these commands and these directions for life. And I know a lot of people look at God's word in the Bible like, there's so many rules. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt. And it's like, I just feel like there's a bunch of rules. And I don't like rules, right? You probably have heard that before. Maybe you have felt that before. Sometimes people look at God's word and it's like, it's sort of burdensome. I got to do this and I got to do that and I can't do this. And there's so many restrictions. Psalm 119, verses 1 to 3 says quite the contrary. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil. They walk only in his paths. You hear these, these people who are in God's word, these people who are following these rules, they're pretty happy. No, strike that. They're joyful. There's a difference. Uh, happy is circumstantial. Joyful is internal. These people are joyful from what they're finding in God's word, his instruction. It's not burdensome. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, again, it's sort of like this. For, for some people, um, they're thinking, if I could just be free from these restrictions, I could go wherever I want to go. Well, that doesn't work so much and so good for a train, does it? The train has to have tracks to go somewhere. If a train goes off the tracks, it's derailed. It can't go anywhere. But see, the, the tracks, the train tracks, are like guidelines, like barriers. They keep the train going where they need to go. That's God's word. When we're on track, we can move. We can go in the right direction. But once you get out of God's word, we're off track, we're derailed. We can't go anywhere. So although God's word sounds burdensome with rules, that keeps us on track. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. One of my favorite passages, if this could be, um, you know, a, a, take a book and write a book about a book, um, I would write a book maybe for graduates and life lessons. Joshua 1 would be chapter, probably chapter 1, chapter 2, right in that book. Let me ask you this. How many of you, and I'm not going to do the yes, no, shake your head type thing like Brian, okay? But how many of you just think this inside? How many of you want to be successful in life, okay? How many of you, when you say, you know, I, I really want to succeed at my, what I'm going to put my hands to with my next task. Would that describe you? Because I'm guessing, just make a big guess here, that a lot of you, when you were growing up, you were in first grade, second grade, and you had that, when I grow up, I want to be, I don't think anybody put on there a failure, okay? Uh, let's see, when I grow up, I want to be a loser, okay? Now, I think when we were kids and growing up, it was like, I want to win, I want to succeed, I want to I prosper what I do, right? We all want to succeed. Look at this scripture right here. Moses has passed away. God's speaking to Joshua. And this is going to be a big task because now guess who's got the task of taking God's people into a new place? Joshua. It says here in verse 1 as we read, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and he said this, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Okay, pause for a second. <laughs> Joshua's like, I know. That's why we're having this conversation. And God's like, I know. That's why we're having this conversation. Because Moses isn't here. Now it's you and me talking. And look what God says to Joshua. Verse 3. I'm sorry, let's go in verse 2. Therefore the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. Verse 3. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will have the land that I've given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates rivers in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. 
including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. And it was just a beautiful message because so far God's saying, I recognize you feel alone. I recognize you feel weak. I get that. But just as I made all these promises to Moses, I'm making the promises to you. Wherever you step your foot, go ahead, put your foot down. I promised you that land. Put, put your foot down over there. I promised you that land. Wherever you go, that's the land I promised you. And you're not going there by yourself. I'm going with you. But wouldn't that be awesome if you have a conversation and you can audibly hear the voice of God and you wake up in the morning and say, God, what do you want me to do? Well, here's what I want you to do. And he's telling you where to go. But God, if I go this way, God's like, I'll go with you there. You're going to go with me today? I said I'd go with you. Wouldn't it be incredible to hear the audible voice of God? That's what's going on here. He goes on to say in verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. He's like, come on, come on, Joshua. Be strong, be courageous. Then he goes on to say again, verse 7, Be strong and very courageous. Now listen carefully what he says next. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Do not go to the, the left. Do not go to the right. He goes on to say, then you'll be successful in everything you do. Stay on track. Stay on track. Be strong as you're doing this. Because it's going to be hard. There's going to be times. Yeah, I really don't want to do this today. Be strong and very courageous. Don't deviate from what the instructions I was given. Verse 8. Study the book of instruction continually. So like every Sunday, no, is that continue? That's sporadic. Once a week in God's word, doesn't cut it. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. That sounds like more than once a week. That sounds like 14 times a week. So you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. There's not too many times you'll find in Scripture where it says be prosperous and successful. Here's one of the very few times. When you are in God's Word, when you don't go to the right, when you don't go to the left, when you meditate on it day and night and you follow the instructions of God, God says you'll be prosperous and successful in all that you do. I believe in doing what you've been told to do. Verse 9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What an incredible passage full of commands and promises. And simply put, when you obey the commands of God, you will see the blessings that come from being obedient. And verse 7 really hits that main command to obey, not deviate, not to get off track, right? When we choose to make God our supreme authority, and we face all the things in this world from a biblical viewpoint, under his authority, you will find the right direction you need to be in life. Students, Graduates, those that are going off to college, those that are in college, those that are in secondary education or elsewhere, you know very well and you've heard the stories that in some universities, this is nothing but junk. And you will be told otherwise. You will be, say, doubt this. That's old stuff. You're going to hear all kinds of garbage coming out of people's mouths. If they are your authority figures and you start falling under them, you will fall away from God. I'm going to tell you right now. God's word is your supreme authority. And you must have that strong biblical viewpoint. Be a student of God's word. That would be my first word of encouragement to those of you that are graduating. Here's, here's another thing I'd say. Uh, be an ambassador for God's kingdom. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says God's given us this task of reconciling people to him. 
It says this, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to, be, to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we, Christians, we are Christ's ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. When we speak Christ, when we plead, come back to God, it says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so we could be made right with God through Christ. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. I'm sure you all understand what an ambassador is, but here's the thing. With, with our words, with our actions, others have the opportunity to learn about who God is, to hear about who Jesus Christ is. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, when you ask for forgiveness, God forgives you. Once you have repented, you've asked forgiveness, he forgives you, he adopts you into his family, he gives you his Holy Spirit, you are spiritually reborn into God's kingdom. You maybe heard the term born again. So you are now a part of God's kingdom. But now as being part of God's kingdom, you are living in the world. I am living in the world. So as a Christian, being reborn, being a child of God, I now live in a world that is very godless. You follow me so far? Let me, let me give you another example here. I've been to the Dominican many times. So let's maybe, I, so I've been to the Dominican Republic all these times, and finally somebody says, you ought to be an ambassador. So the United States says, okay, we're going to make you an ambassador uh, to the Dominican Republic. So I go over there. I've got a house for me now. I represent the United States there in the Dominican Republic, okay? I'm just an ambassador there. But my home, my nationality is the United States, born in Elkhart, Indiana. Oh, here I am, all the way over now in the Dominican Republic. That's, that's where I was born. That's my nationality. I am as American as American can be, okay? But I'm living in the Dominican Republic. Do I look like a Dominican? The answer to that is going to be no, okay? I know so because when I go there, I do not look like them. My skin color is different. They speak Spanish. I speak two words like taco and bell. And so there's like nothing else I can really say to them besides, actually, I can say, donde está el baño? Because I always need to know where the bathroom is. Get to this age, you always got to know. So anyway, so like I know some of those things, but they look at me like, I'm Americano, Americano. It's like, yeah, that's me. I'm different. I don't look like them, I don't talk like them, I don't act like them, I don't dress like them. Because, but here's the thing, I'm an ambassador from the United States there. As a Christian, a child of God, I've got now, I'm clothed in righteousness, I've got all these things as a Christian, and I'm living in this world. I should not look like this world, I should not talk like this world, I should not act like this world, I should not be anything like it in this world. So when people see me walking around in this world, they're thinking, you look different. That's because I'm a Christian. No apologies. My authority is under God. So you might have your authority over here and over there, but that's where I am. And we are ambassadors. I hope that makes sense to you all. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says this, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. It's not saying, it's not like I'm a good Christian because I can talk the talk. No, you gotta walk the walk too. You're an ambassador. Your actions, you're living by God's power. It's faith and action. Uh, turn in your Bibles to First, First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, a bunch of little books. First Timothy chapter four. And in this chapter four, verse one. It starts off with a very simple verse saying, "Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly." That in the last times, 
Some will turn away from the true faith. They'll follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from the demons. I love how Paul basically says, hey, you know what? In the end times, people are not going to be listening to God's word anymore. They're going to listen to whatever tickles their ears, whatever makes them happy. And it's like, oh, I like that. That's a great new idea. We need new ideas. The Bible is ancient. We need new stuff, right? So people are going to like turn from what they should be listening to. Paul goes on to say this in verse 7. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas, old wives tell us. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. That's why we work hard and we continue to struggle. For our hope as Christians, our hope is in the living God who's the Savior of all people, particularly of all believers. So teach these things and insist that everybody learns them. See, our, our hope is in a living Savior. And Paul says, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, listen, your hope is in a Savior. Everybody else over here is starting to believe all these weird and crazy things, okay? You're going to hear all these deceptive ideas. Remember, God's word is authoritative. You're an ambassador. So because you represent God, you better make sure you are a student of it. And you better train. Train yourself to godliness. You've heard me say this before. The word train is the word gymnazo in Greek. Gymnazo is where we get our word gymnasium. Three sports that was uh, in Paul's time. Boxing, pancreation, and wrestling. There's the only sports in the gymnasium back then. So when he uses that word gymnazo, it's like, ooh, train. How hard am I going to train? Well, if you're in any of those three sports, boxing, pancreation, or wrestling, it was like ultimate championship fighting. See, before Mike Tyson was biting ears, they were biting off ears. They were breaking noses, gouging out eyeballs, crushing ribs, breaking necks, putting them in the grave. That, that's how hard they competed. A lot of times people didn't walk, come out of the mat. People didn't come out of the gym unless they were in a stretcher being taken to the cemetery. That's how hard they competed. So when they trained, you're training to survive. You're not training to get first place and get your name out there on social media. You just want to live. So how hard do you train? So Paul uses this word, a unique word, gymnazo, train yourself unto godliness. He's saying, hey, church, you better be training because it's a rough world out there and you're going to get buried if you're not trained up. Paul gets serious about it. We get so, we get so laid back. Ah, I might get in God's word. <laughs> really? Oh, I might go to the gym. You're going to get buried. So sometimes when people say, I'm struggling in my life spiritually right now, I'm thinking, well, what's your training like? I mean, if you're not training, yeah, you're going to get crushed. As an ambassador of Jesus Christ, again, we need to be in his word. But listen, you start training, you start being an ambassador for Jesus Christ, you're going to get laughed at. You're going, to, you're going to get pointed out. Oh, you're the Christian. Oh, you're the kid that prays. Oh, you're the one that wears the Jesus shirt. Oh, you're the one that carries the Bible. Oh, you're going on a mission trip. Oh, you're going to camp. You will be made fun of. You'll be set apart. Praise God. Blessed are those who are persecuted, right? But the crowds aren't the only ones making the noise. There's another one who's nastier. His name is Satan. He's an accuser. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 10, it says this, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before God day and night. Do you hear that? See, Satan gets before God. He's like, hey, do you see what, see what that Christian did? Yeah, the, the one you call your child? They, they messed up. They are, they are they're, 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 seriously, they can't be a Christian. They can't be. They're a loser. They, they've messed up, right? And, and Satan stands before God and accuses us, it says, day and night. See, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us. The Holy Spirit convicts us and says, you messed up. And what does that do? The Holy Spirit convicts us so that we can come back to God and repent and say, you know what? I blew it. As a Christian, we know when we blow it. And the Holy Spirit convicts us and gets us right back on track. Satan 
tries to convince us that we're not savable. He, he accuses us, he wants us to feel ashamed and he wants us to feel guilty. He is a liar. He is such a liar. I'm so thankful that God comes to the rescue. Aren't you? I mean, listen, you got, you got the accuser and you got one who loves you. Who, do you. who do you really want to listen to? Sometimes all we hear is like the accusers, like, man, I am, I am worthless. I, I did mess up. I, I am not good, right? And sometimes it's like, I just want that voice to be quiet. I do, I do not want to hear. So you open up the Bible, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. You're not guilty anymore. Romans 8, 1. Therefore now, brothers and sisters, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. I'm feeling really, you shouldn't feel guilty. You've been forgiven. So flush it. That's just the accuser trying to make you think that you should feel guilty. Some of us have grown up believing lies, and because we've believed lies when we were young, it's now as an adult, sometimes it's hard for us to live victoriously because we are still holding on to these, these lies. I, I don't know if you've ever seen this, this picture before um, or have heard the story about the, the baby elephants and, and adult elephants and how when they're baby elephants, they get this big uh, chain cooked, uh, I'm sorry, connected to a shackle, which is connected to like a wooden peg in the ground. It is, it is hard enough, that little baby elephant tries to pull and tries to pull, but the shackle around its ankle and the chain and the peg is so tight, so strong, that baby elephant can't pull it. So for years, that little baby elephant thinks, I, I can't go anywhere, I can't go anywhere. I'm, I'm constrained. I, I cannot move from where I am. I'm chained in, right? When these elephants become adult elephants, they still do the same thing to them. But here's the thing. As an adult elephant, they're now strong enough. All they got to do is go pop it and walk away. But because they were raised to think that as soon as that shackle goes around their ankle, they oh, yep, I remember this. I can't go anywhere. So they don't go anywhere, although they are strong enough just to take one big step and move away from it. Sometimes I believe we're the same way as Christians. We've been raised to think that you are a loser. You're wrong. You're guilty. Shame on you. You can't do this as a Christian. You can't, you can't serve God. Oh, no. See, the accuser wants us to be shackled and say we can't go away. But as an adult, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we need to understand you are free from all that. You've been free from that condemnation. And you need to learn to step and start moving forward on your journey and, and break free of those lies. Again, the accuser has no authority over any of you in here. See, when God looks at you, God sees somebody who's forgiven. There's a, there's a beautiful picture in the Chinese language of, of what righteousness is. As, as God's children, as his ambassadors, you are made righteous through the blood of Christ. What does it mean to be made righteous? You are right with God. How are you right with God? It's like when God looks at us, he sees Christ and then he sees you. The picture in the Chinese language, let me put it up here on the screen for you. The picture of, of righteousness, if you see on the left, you see the word, the symbol for lamb. Then you see the symbol for me. If you take the symbol for lamb, place it on top of the symbol for me, you get the word righteousness. It's the lamb on top of me. It's as if God looks down and he sees the lamb of Jesus Christ before he sees me. That is what it is to be made righteous. That's why the Chinese language is just a, it's a beautiful picture. In your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. I want you to see this verse now. Because uh, youth, those in your youth group understand this verse. It's your theme verse, 1 Timothy 4, 12. Do not let anyone think less of you because you are young. But be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and your 
purity. That's 1 Timothy 4.12. That's our theme verse for the youth group. We want to live as Christians in a way when people look at us, do they see purity? Do they see love? Do they see faith? What, what are they seeing by the way we live? Are we examples? Tupas, the Greek word, is to be an example. Coming right out of the scripture. That's why we call it tupas, if you didn't know that. As his ambassador, and you're setting an example, I said you will be made fun of, right? Which I want to remind you to be faithful and never give up. Those two just go right with each other. Last thing I want to say to the graduates is this. Uh, be right with God. If you're not right with God, those other four do not matter. They really don't. If you, if you get this one right, then you're doing really good. Yeah, I don't know if you've got one of those uncles, one of those uh, dads, one of those grandpas. that they're, they're the ones that try to have those funny jokes. And they're like, you get your diploma, and you're like, hey, hey let's see if it's signed. <laughs> you know, you got that uncle, got that dad, got that somebody. That always, that's the, the, the joke of the running joke of let's see if it's, it's signed. You know what's more important than having your diploma signed? Having your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It says this in Revelation 21. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Graduates, you're about ready here in about two minutes to come up and stand up here in front. And when you do, you're going to tell us your name. You're going to tell us what school you graduated from. And you're going to tell us your future plans. Now, I'm going to guess 75% of you have a good idea what you're going to do with your future. You've decided, like, here's what I'm going to do, and you know it may change. But right now, these are my future plans. This is what I'm planning to do. That's a good thing. I don't know anybody that's like, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, right? Or I don't know if anybody that walks up to the airport and says, I want to buy a ticket. Where do you go? I don't care. No, anybody that's going to spend that kind of money and go somewhere has a destination in mind. Let's talk the most important destination of your life. It's your eternal destination, heaven or hell. When I talk about that diploma being signed, I want to know, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Have you made that decision? That is probably the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Listen, the greatest... The greatest graduation gift is not money. You'll eventually run out of that and need more, okay? The greatest graduation gift is not a trip somewhere. I got, when I graduated from high school and went out for two weeks to California with my mom and dad, that was my graduation gift to go see family out in California, okay? But here's, here's the thing. Eventually, you got to come back, okay? So what is, what is the best thing that you can receive, graduates? Something that's eternal, something that's lasting, and something that will never fade away, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ, Seniors, as you come forward, and I'd like you to come forward right now, if you would, please. I'm going to ask you to do something on behalf of Dan Savage, who did a lot of our games on Wednesday nights. You've got a game you've got to play as you're coming up here. You get to line yourselves up alphabetically, last name C to Z, this way, right here in front. So uh, Jillian will help you out. I think you're going to be the first one today. And I'm not sure who the last one is. It might be Rupal. Looking at the names here. And line yourself up alphabetically, last name. Dan, are they doing good? Do we have a timer going? Like they got 30 seconds. If you get it under 20 seconds, you got Reese's Peanut Butter Cups for everybody. Well done. Everybody out there is like, do it. You meant everybody out here, right? Yeah. Graduates, I think we're there. 
We had a lot of graduates here first service that were not here second service. We'll put their pictures up on the screen so you're going to see some other names flash up there. They were here first service and not here. And at the very end, we have two college graduates as well uh, that um, Lindsey Crossgrove and Abby Freeman graduated from college. Their pictures are up there. You may or may not see them at the very end. But seniors, I'm going to hand you the mic. Jillian, I'm going to start with you. So again, if you would, please, your name, school you're graduating from, and your future plans. I'm Jillian Colon. I'm graduating from Wasan High School, and I'm going to Summit Salon Academy to become a cosmetologist. Avery Coronado, graduating from Wasan High School, going to University of Toledo for electrical engineering. Eli Delgado, I'm graduating from Wasan High School, and I'll be attending Cornerstone University to major in social work. My name is Macy Garrick. I am graduating from Wasan High School. I'm going to Calvin University to study exercise science on a pre-physical therapy track. My name is Landon Hines. I'm going to Ohio Northern University to play basketball in undecided major. I'm Eldon Leininger. I'm graduating from Washington High School, and I will be studying biology at The Ohio State University. I'm Paige Morgan-Smith. I'm graduating from Archibald High School, and I'm going to Bowling Green State University, majoring in integrated math education. I'm Aiden Pena. I graduated from... Washington High School, and I'm going to Hocken College to run cross-country and uh, major in environmental science. Hi, I'm Joseph Perez. Uh, I'm graduating from Washington High School, and I'm going to Northwest State Community College majoring in education. I'm Bo Reeder, and I will be, I graduated from Washington High School. Um, I'll be swimming and studying mechanical engineering at Calvin University. Um, hi, my name's Grace Rhodes. I will be graduating Wasion High School today. Um, next year, I'll be furthering my education at Youngstown State, where I'll be running and majoring in chemical engineering. My name is James Rupel. I graduated from Delta, and I plan on attending Trine University to major in exercise science. Well done. Now, a lot of these seniors here uh, are part of our Wednesday night or Sunday morning or been involved in various um, things that we've done with our youth, youth program, and it's uh, we've had a very strong and, and encouraging group of, of young men and women here. And, and this morning, um, I'm going to also ask the adult youth leaders, if you could come on up here too, and you can get on either side. Some of our youth leaders that work with the students on Wednesday night or in small groups, I'm going to ask them to, to come forward. I... I sort of threatened them first service. I was going to make them say their name, their age, and what they want to do with their life. But we won't do that. A few more things I'd like to say to uh, these students. Um, first of all, hopefully you were listening and heard some of the sermon, uh, some of the points that I challenge you with from, from making sure that God is the authority in your life and that you are a student of God's word and you are an ambassador and be faithful, don't give up. You know, a lot of these things are so important. Make sure you're right with God. Uh, another light thing I would say, but it's an important thing, is this, be grateful. Please be, be, be grateful. Thank God. Thank your teachers. Thank your coaches. Thank those in the, the kitchen crew, the custodians, the administrators, your friends. Uh, especially, please, thank your parents. Uh, all that they've done for you, wherever they've, they've taken you to, whether they've purchased uh, prom dresses or uh, homecoming outfits or meals or helped with travel expenses and extracurriculars. Uh, those things are not entitlements. Those are all gifts that your parents have blessed you with and grandparents have probably blessed you with. 
Uh, but more importantly, give God thanks for what he has given you, his mercy, his grace, his many blessings. Um, those are things I would say please be grateful for. Um, I also uh, want to share with you some words of wisdom that came from these students. So on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago, last night, these, we had about nine seniors sitting up here, and we said, what words of wisdom would you give to the underclassmen? So again, underclassmen and, and parents, here are a few of the highlights for what they shared. They said this, surround yourself with other Christians. Stay plugged into church. Find a good friend that will hold you accountable. Complacency is not good for your faith. Don't be afraid to live out your faith. Be involved with children's church, nursery, serving. Listen to the nudge of the Holy Spirit and change your perspective on, I have to go to church to, I get to go to church. Wise words of, of wisdom from our seniors. And, and they, they all saw me when we were doing this on that Wednesday. I was like writing down notes. Like, oh, that was good. That was really good. And somebody said, what are you going to do with that? I said, I don't know, but it was good. I wanted to share with you. I wanted you to hear that some of the things that you have been teaching them, parents and, and Sunday school teachers or children's church teachers, youth leaders, a lot of the words that you've poured into these students, they've heard, they've lived, and they are ready to share those same things. Uh, to the parents, I want to say this to you. I'd like to say, well done. This is going to be an emotional time for some of you parents. This may be your first graduate. This may be your last graduate. For some of you, you're going to be an emotional wreck. You're going to carry boxes of Kleenexes with you wherever you go over the next few weeks. And for some of you, you're going to be carrying noisemakers because you've been waiting for this day for that to happen. And some of you are in shock, like they made it. And others of you are like, I knew they'd make it, and I'm so proud of you. The emotions are all over the place for you as parents. So parents, I want to say to you, well done. God's given you each the responsibility to raise up these kids in a godly way and to raise them up and to hold them and to help them so that when graduation comes, you can let go and allow God to take them from here. That's the hard part. But he's equipped you to do your job. Now you trust him. And students, with the power of God and his Holy Spirit working in you, you will be okay. I believe that. At this time, um, we're going to pray. And youth leaders, if you want to situation yourself around the graduates anyway, you want to come behind them, in front of them, however you want to just surround them, we're going to pray for them. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's pray for these seniors and for the parents. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this time and this day in which we could honor our seniors. Heavenly Father, I just pray now that as they are being surrounded and the hands of their youth leaders are upon them, that they will always remember this moment that they are not alone, that your presence goes with them out these doors. And I pray, Lord, that their faith will remain strong. I pray, Lord, the same advice that they gave to the, the underclassmen on a Wednesday night, they will remember and they will apply themselves. That in times when they get out in this world and they hear of a different authority that challenges you, they will stand strong on, the, on your firm foundation from your word, the true authority. I pray, Lord, for in this moment as well, Heavenly Father, that they will just remember that they're not alone. 
in those tough moments when they feel isolated and maybe being made fun of for their faith, that they will cause them to want to stand strong. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we gift them with a few books here in a second, Lord, that what they carry out of here is more than just words in a book, but it's, again, these words that have sunk deep into their heart, scripture that they've memorized. Heavenly Father, I pray for their parents, that their parents will be able to rejoice and as they soak in the emotion of, of these moments of graduation, but they'll also be able to just be thankful that as a parent, they weren't alone either, that they had you with them every step of the way. I pray that these parents will be able to trust you, Heavenly Father, that you'll be able to continue to walk with their child moving forward on this journey that they have. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that they're not alone. In thy name we pray, amen.